You are listening to a sermon from Mission Point St. John. We hope this message encourages a deeper connection between you and Jesus, our Savior. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn with me to uh, Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 4, and um, these, are, these are thoughts that God put into my spirit, some of it uh, from a study that uh, was done by Brother Woodward, some of it um, uh, thoughts that, that God put into my spirit at conference, uh, listening to some messages by Brother Bernard, Brother Herring, and God started to create um, a, a message in my spirit that I'm going to share with you this morning, and um, I'm thankful for what God is doing in our city. I'm thankful for what God is doing. There's some great things happening around us, and uh, new Bible studies that have been started. Listen, the pandemic, uh, God's unstoppable. God's unstoppable. Amen. Churches that are being opened and people that are reaching out from other churches for us to be a strength to them, and uh, we're thankful for that. Thank you for being in prayer on Friday night. What a great representation here at our corporate prayer time on Friday night and a great presence of the Lord. Amen. We're just thankful, amen, for what God is doing. Amen. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 1, But it came to pass that when Sambalit heard that we builded the wall, he was wroth and took great indignation and mocked the Jews. And he spake before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, what do these feeble Jews? Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned? Uh, Sambalet, he, he's, he's not on Nehemiah's side. He's an enemy to what Nehemiah is doing. And in this verse, he asks five questions, five questions that we'll get to hopefully by the end of this sermon this morning. But I want to speak to you for the next few moments on more than just walls, more than just walls. Uh, the book of Nehemiah is not just about the rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. It's about building a city that could become a home for God's people and a witness for God's name uh, as he desires in every city. It wasn't just uh, Jerusalem walls that were to be rebuilt by Nehemiah and that was going to be a great feat and it could be written in a book and, and we would get to read about the story. No, no, it was more than that. It was an example of what God wants in every city, a place where God's people can feel safe, a place where God's people can be restored, a place where God's people can feel His presence and be with the people of God. So this book of Nehemiah is like a 2,500-year-old journal. If you were to find an old journal of someone that lived uh, many years ago and you were to read what was happening in that period of time, that's what this is like only 2,500 years ago. In 606 B.C., the first waves of 
captives were taken to Babylon. And 20 years passed by. And then in 586 B.C., the city of Jerusalem was destroyed by King Nebuchadnezzar. And then 50 years passes by. And 536 B.C., the Jews are allowed to return to Jerusalem by King Cyrus. But only 20 years later, uh, in 516 B.C., the temple finally is completed after many delays. And then all of a sudden, 70 years pass, and we have the beginning in 446 B.C. of Nehemiah's journal, if you want to put it that way. One conversation with some of his brethren from Judah about the state of his beloved Jerusalem, and Nehemiah can never be the same after that conversation. Others can still be indifferent, but he can no longer sit by while God's city is not faring well. Oh, he's fine in his secular job. He is a, a cupbearer to the king of Persia. But after he has a conversation of what happened to Jerusalem, he's heartbroken. He goes into a, a prolonged time of fasting and prayer. You can put the months together in verse fir the first verse of, of, of uh, Nehemiah and then jump to uh, the first verse of chapter 4 and, and, and you see that it's a, a four-month period of time where he, he is fasting and praying concerning what he feels heartbroken about. But it's more than just being heartbroken. It's more than just hearing the story. There's something about, something about that he needs to act. I, I've got to do something about this. See, that's, that would seem normal if it had just happened. But it didn't just happen. He, he, is, he is listening to something that took place 140 years ago. 140 years before this story is told to him by his brethren from Judah, that's when actually the walls were destroyed. And they crumbled, and, and you would say, you know what, uh, uh, maybe, maybe Nehemiah is getting caught up too much in the past. You could think of it this way. It would be like me telling you this morning that President Lincoln was shot. It's true, but it happened in 1865. Or the Civil War has just ended. It'd be like telling you that Canada has finally become a nation. Yeah, 1867. Or Alaska has been purchased by the U.S. from Russia. Maybe there's some here this morning that didn't even know that. Or I could say to you this morning that uh, the creation finally of the skyscraper has happened. That happened in 1880, 140 years ago. Or the OK Corral gunfight took place. The Earp brothers and Doc Holliday are against Billy Clinton and the McLaurys, and there's a, a, a shootout. That happens in Tombstone. Or Huckleberry Finn was written by Mark Twain. There's a lot of things I could tell you from 140 years ago. And you would say, Pastor, you need to get over it. Like, those things happened a long time in the past. I mean, those are, those are history. Those are astounding pieces of news, Pastor. But 
But you shouldn't be so dramatic about it here in 2021. I mean, that's long before you. There's nothing you can do about it. Uh, It's just information. But to Nehemiah, it was more than information. It gave him a burden. It gave him something in his spirit that changed. It changed it from being more than just walls. More than just walls. You know, shouldn't, shouldn't Nehemiah have emotionally moved on by now? Like, seriously, Nehemiah? It's 140 years ago. Everyone knows this information. And a century and a half has gone by, Nehemiah. We're, we're accustomed to broken walls, Nehemiah. We're accustomed to Jerusalem being, being destroyed. We're accustomed to that being the normal. Why are you getting so worked up? Some may even say that about me now. Pastor, why are you getting so worked up? It's, it's just information. Nehemiah had more than just information. He had a burden. Nehemiah said, listen, everything's going great in my secular job. Everything's great at home. I'm the cupbearer to the king of Persia. But that's, that's not enough if God's work isn't going better. That's his, that's his attitude. His burden affected him so much that the the king even noticed that something was off with Nehemiah. Nehemiah comes in and he can can tell there's something heartbroken about Nehemiah. So he asks the question, what's wrong? Why are you so sad, Nehemiah? What is bothering you? What is it that, that you seem upset about today? What is it that's got you? What is it that's got you with a burden today, Nehemiah? And you know, a lot of us would, would just say, you know what, no, I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. Everything's going to be good. You know, we all have difficult days. We all struggle from time to time. We, we all have burdens to carry. We, we, some of us may respond that way, but that's not what Nehemiah did. He didn't cover it up at all. There was no cover-up from Nehemiah. He said, yes, God's work is more important than my secular work. God's work is more important than me being a cupbearer. God's work is more important than my recognition to the king. God's work is greater. That's his approach. See, God's kingdom comes before your and my kingdom. God's kingdom is greater than my kingdom. God's kingdom is greater than anything you could do. Yes, uh, I need to go and, and put energy into to living and, and to, to do the best I can. But what about God's kingdom? What about the energy that God wants from you and I? And all of a sudden, the king starts to understand Nehemiah's tears. Can we grasp this morning what Nehemiah was thinking? Can I ask you this morning, where are the Christians that are more concerned about the house of God than their own house? They're more concerned about the work of God than their own work. More about the kingdom of God than our own kingdom. What about, what about the, the future of the church? And what about what God is doing? And what about the people that are in our city that need to hear about God? What, what is it that... Uh, what is it that stirs us? Uh, what is it that, that, that challenges us? Uh, I hope it's not just information this morning, but I hope it's, it's, it's a burden that gets a hold of our spirit, that it's more than just walls. 
See, it used to be that people got saved and they told their employers and their sports teams and, and the companies that, that they're connected to that, you know, I, I don't do Sundays and I don't do Wednesdays and I can't miss prayer. That's what it used to be like. I, I'm, I, I'm not, I'm not going to miss special service nights and we got we got something we got something uh, exciting happening at church, so I got to make sure that I, I I'm not going to miss that. But I'm going to I'm going to do the things of God because that's the most important thing to me. Uh, what what is it? What what is it that's kind of changed? Uh, things have kind of changed where now people tell the church, you know what? I can't be here Sunday, Pastor. Can't be here Wednesday. I got this to do. I can't be here at prayer night. I, you know, I, I got to get groceries. I, I can't. It's got, oh, I know it's Sunday morning and it's All Nations Sunday. But something has to stir in our spirit that it's more than just information. That it's a burden that catches us. That it's a way past our kingdom and a way past our home and it's a way past our jobs and it's a way past our family and it's a way. No, no, this is God. It's more than just walls. It's more than just walls. Nehemiah had something happen in his spirit that his priorities, listen, do you know that I can, whatever I, whatever I think I need to do, I can somehow get around to do it? If I think I need to go on a certain date on a vacation, I'll do everything I need to do to get there. If I need to have a day trip or a getaway or, or, or to be off or something, uh, uh, we'll do our best. I mean, we'll, we'll, I mean, we'll trade. We'll, we'll arrange months in advance. We'll do all kinds of things to do what we have to do to fulfill our priorities. What is it that's gripped our, our spirits that we can actually spend a 40-hour a week work, or work, work week and maybe in front of a, a television or a computer, but yet we have no time. Oh, I got you. I got you here at church. <laughs> the only ones safe are the ones that are home right now, and you're not safe either. See, what happens is we, if we're not careful, we, we, our priorities can get messed up. It's more than just a wall. Nehemiah, something happened to Nehemiah. This is 140 years ago that it happened, and Nehemiah is being stirred about it. Something got in his spirit. Something got in his It was more than just a wall. Something got in his spirit that it was going to change his priorities. So you can read through the Nehemiah's journal, and you'll see that over a 50-day period, 52-day period, 42 different working parties, a 50-foot-high wall, a circumference of four miles. That was a rate of 504 miles a day. 504 feet a day, excuse me. And while he's fighting severe opposition, they accomplished this 50-foot-high wall and four miles long and in 52 days, and they didn't have the equipment that we have today. There was something inside of them that it was more than just a wall. 
There was a burden. Something gripped their spirit. How did they do it, Pastor? Well, yes, they prayed. Yes, they had a sword in one hand while they had a trowel in the other. Yes, they worked in unity. But they acted upon their burden. There was something that said, I cannot, I must uh, not uh, remain uh, uh, silent. I must not remain uh, non-active. There's something in my spirit. Uh, Let me tell you, folks, uh, if you look around you and see what's happening uh, in the world, uh, it's not a time to be non-active. It's not a time to be disconnected or isolated. Uh, It's a time to get uh, the burden inside of our spirit uh, that it's more than just a wall. More than just a history lesson. Well, this is what happened 100 years ago or 120 years ago at Azusa Street. This is what happened in Topeka, Kansas. This is what happened uh, 65 years ago or or 60 years ago. Whatever the case is, uh, uh, this, no, 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 no. It's more than just a wall. Yes, they prayed. They worked in unity. They worked hard by, well, facing opposition. But there was an action that got a hold of them. See, prayer is not getting man's will done in heaven, but rather God's will done on earth. However, for God's will to be done on earth, he needs people to be available, to be active, to be willing to be used If God's going to answer prayer, he's got to start by working in us. That's doing the praying. It's more than just me praying, God, will you do something? No, it's about me allowing myself to be hands and feet for what God is doing so that the the prayers that are being prayed can, can be answered through our lives. See, Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. God does it through you. We can't be too busy to have a conversation. We can't be too busy to teach a study. We can't be too busy to witness. We can't be too busy to to pray with someone. We can't be too busy to give people time. Hallelujah. If you're too busy in, in things in life, you'll miss what the burden is. You'll just have information. And it's a way more than information this morning. It's more than just a wall. Genesis 30, verse 1 says, when, when Rachel saw that she bare ch- Jacob no children, Rachel envied her sister and said unto Jacob, Give me children, lest I die. That's not just a natural implication. There's a spiritual implication to, to her prayer. And we could say, Where are you, Rachel? Have you just accepted the circumstances and resigned yourself to a lifetime with a, an empty womb? Or, or are you begging God for a baby? Give me children or else I die. It's the, it, it, when's the last time 
that we pray, God, whatever you can do through my life, God, do it. Whatever you can do through my life to reach someone, God, let it, let it be. When's the last time we felt and found ourselves lost in prayer and asked God and said, God, lay some soul upon my heart. Lay some family member into my spirit. Let it be more than just information. How is that? Pastor, what are you talking about this morning? Well, this is how it happens. We can talk about how terrible things are happening in someone's life. And we can spend a long time talking about it. Time can go by very quickly. And we can be, we can be discussing the downfall of someone's life and and the heartache that's happening in their home or in their children or in... No, let it be more than just talk and information. Let it be that a burden has gripped our spirit. It's more than just a wall. It's more than just something that's happened a long time ago or it's in someone else's family or it's down the street. No, no, let something grip our spirit that it's a burden that goes beyond information. That it's more than just... A wall. That's what happened to Nehemiah. Nehemiah. Nehemiah had something happen to him that he realized this is more, this is more than just a wall. Nehemiah cared enough to ask, to weep, to pray, to volunteer. See, the study of Nehemiah is not just a study of history. It is essentially about building the future of the people of God. Nehemiah is a man sent by the king to lead the people of Israel in rebuilding the walls and the gates of Jerusalem. Nehemiah is kind of like the new pastor. Someone that's got a burden for a group of people that says their life has to change. Something has to be rearranged. See, Jerusalem was originally surrounded by a wall that was interrupted only by its ten gates. The wall kept the wrong people out and the gates let the right people in. And the wall and the gates have been left in a pile of rubble. The walls were for protection. They showed the separation between the people of God and the enemies of God. The wall represents the salvation to, to the people today, specifically from sin, the power of the world, and what the enemy would love to do to destroy people. See, the walls keep people safe. Isaiah 60, 18, Violence shall no more be heard in thy land, wasting nor destruction within thy borders. But thou shalt call thy walls salvation, and thy gates praise. Psalm 51, do good in thy good pleasure unto Zion. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem. No, this, this was not just so no one was allowed in. No, there was gates for that. The gates were the entrances. The entrances into the protection of the city, into the Lord's presence. She just says it was critical for the city to have walls to keep the enemy out. It was also critical 
to have gates to let people in. What does that mean to us today? Well, we, we, we got to be strong enough in our walk with God not to be afraid of the world. I'm in the world, but I'm not of the world. I can walk in the world to help people get in through the gates without the world influencing me to take me from outside the walls. See, Isaiah 26, verse 1, In that day shall, shall this song be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. Salvation will God appoint for walls and bulwarks. Open ye the gates that the righteous nation which keepeth the truth may enter in. But it's the people that it's more than information to. It's a church that's welcoming. It's a church that's loving. It's a church that opens the gates and lets people in to be, to be protected behind the wall. That's why David wrote it so powerful. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Jesus said, verily, verily. I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. Yeah. A church that has walls, a, a protection for the city, but yet gates so people that want in can find refuge. See, some people want all walls and some people want all gates and neither opinion is right. You can't have a church with all walls and no gates for people to get in, and you can't have a church with all gates and no walls of protection. It's absolutely necessary for us to see it as more than just information, folks. This is more than just walls. This is more than just a, I'm going to hold on till the Lord comes. No, no. We have a city, a city that needs God. That's why we reach out with our satellite churches, and that's why we reach beyond. Oh, I could tell you this morning it would be much easier just to have one location and one group of people. It would be much easier, but no, it's more than just walls. It's a city that needs God. Nehemiah had three enemies in his quest to rebuild Jerusalem's walls of protection. And separation. The first one is Sambalit. I read to you. He was the main enemy with much wealth and influence. His name means hatred in secret. He represents the enemy. The enemy hates this morning that it would be more than information to you. The enemy is absolutely scared to death that everybody in this building will get a burden. He doesn't mind you attending church if it's just information. He doesn't mind you attending and sitting there this morning. He doesn't mind that at all if it doesn't affect you. What bothers him is it becomes more than information and more than just a wall. And your desire is, hallelujah, that you will not allow that to control your burden. That's Sambalit. Tobiah, his name means Jehovah is good. This is an enemy now. 
Jehovah is good. That's a strange name for someone who's opposing God's people. But it represents the flesh. We're all made of flesh. And that happens to all of us. Oh, listen, if you listen to your flesh, you won't do anything. You won't go the extra mile. You won't do what's necessary for it to become more than information. You won't do the effort. No, no, your flesh says, listen, you've been doing it long enough. Sit back, let someone else do it. Listen, there's, there's all kinds of people that can do that instead of you. They're, they don't want it anyway. There's, there's people that they're just going to start and they're going to they're quit partway through. And, and, and your flesh will tell you all these terrible things. You don't have time. You're only here for a few years. Enjoy yourself. That's the flesh. That's information. But all of a sudden, information is not enough. And a burden gets a hold of people's hearts. And when a burden gets a hold of people's hearts, they see people who are helpless and feeling hopeless and have nowhere else to turn. And the church is maybe their only answer. And they're reaching and they're stretching and they're wanting someone to teach and and to invite and to pray with. Oh, they're wanting someone that'll stand with them. Listen, that's more than information. That is burden. Yeah, Tobiah is a representation of the flesh. And thirdly is Geshem. It simply means material substance. It's a representation of the world. These are the things you're fighting against, the enemy, the flesh, and the world. Those are the things that will try to keep everything in your life just as information. But all of a sudden, there's something stirring in your spirit. And that stirring in your spirit is... This is more than information. This is more than just a wall. This is more than just recognition for doing something that happened 140 years ago and repairing it. No, no, no. This is a burden that's gripped my spirit that I've got to do something for the kingdom. I've got to do something for God. I've got to reach out to someone. I've got to be the hand extended. I've got to be the listener. I've got to be the one that goes when it's not convenient. I've got to be the one that will sacrifice. I've got to be the one that will be there. Let me tell you, it's not just for the ministry. The people that stand on this platform are just just servants. Everybody in this church is responsible for it to be more than just information. It's got to be a burden. Look at... Sambelot's uh, mockery. Nehemiah 4 and 2. Maybe, sister, if you could come and just play some music. We'd like to hear you sing, but you can't do that. Look what it says, Nehemiah 4 and 2. And he spake this before his brethren in the army of Samaria and said, What do these feeble Jews? This is his mocking question. What is this little group of people in a city of our size going to be able to accomplish? That's the mockery. 
Oh, it's just a, it's, that's just a little church on the east side. That's just this, this, that's just that. Uh, th those are just little satellite churches with little groups of people. Those are just people wanting to get out and do something. Uh, what, what are those feeble Jews going to be able to accomplish in a way? That's the enemy's mockery. And I can give you example after example through the Word of God that God doesn't need much. He doesn't need many. He doesn't need the most uh, qualified or the most uh, educated. And education's good. And He doesn't need the best looking, and it's good to look good. But He's not looking for all of those things. He's just looking for a group of people that says, God, I don't have everything, but I know you do. And I'm going to give you what I got. And I'm going to let you. I'm not just a, another feeble person. Oh, God, no, I'm a person with a burden. The mockery of Sambel it was. What are these feeble Jews going to do? What are they going to be able to accomplish? Second question. Will they fortify themselves? The second question of mockery is, will they become unified? Because the enemy knows. The enemy knows that he is absolutely 100% scared to death of a group of people that all get on the same page and say, you know what? This is more than information to us. This is a burden for our church, a burden for our city, a burden for our lost, a burden for our families, a, a burden for our schoolmates, a burden for our, 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 our professionals, a burden for everybody that you come in contact with on a daily basis that you can't walk by without there being a burden. Hallelujah. The enemy's scared to death that you and I will fortify this morning. Yeah. Thirdly, he says, will they sacrifice? Will they do what's necessary? to get it done will they get tired worn out pass it off to someone else will they just quit will they give up give in will they will they uh, change their mind no this he said will they sacrifice when they commit to it will they stay to it fourthly he says will they make an end in a day that simply means, will they complete what they started? Some people are choosing, unfortunately, to say it's not worth it. Can't do it. Not happy. Going to please myself. I'm going to make sure I'm taken care of. That's the question of mockery. From the enemy of Sanballat. But the opposite is that he that hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of his appearing. Hallelujah. The response is, I've fought a good fight. I've finished the course. I've kept the faith. Hallelujah. I started and committed myself to God however long ago. And it's not just going to be information. It's going to be a burden. It's more than just a wall. It's more than just a wall. It's more. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm committed to the end. I'm committed to finishing the job. I'm committed to do whatever God wants me to do. Hear it now. 
What do these feeble Jews, what is this little group? Will they ever unify? Oh, my goodness. Uh, uh, will they fortify themselves? Will they be willing to sacrifice? Will they commit themselves to the end? The last question. Will they revive the stones of the heaps of the rubbish which was burned? Brother Herring, if you got to see any of General Conference, made a powerful point about this question. When you read that question, will they revive the stones? You have to think about 140 years. These bricks and stones, they've been laying in a pile around a four-mile wall that used to be 50 feet tall. They're just all laying in a pile cast-offs, cast away. Used to be a wall. Now it's not. And all of a sudden, Nehemiah shows up with his workers and they start to take the stones and revive the ones that made up the wall 140 years ago. What does that mean to you and I? It's more than information this morning, church. The prodigals, the ones that used to be, the ones that used to feel His presence, the ones that used to sing on the platform, the ones that used to teach Sunday school, the ones that used to stand in service and raise their hands in worship, they're not castaways. Hallelujah. They're stones that just need to be revived again to rebuild the wall. It's more than information. Oh, well, you know what? They messed up their life. Their features at state, oh, their whole family's a mess. No, no, no. It's more than information this morning, church. It's a burden that gets a hold of you that says these stones can be revived. Take it out of the rubbish. It's not burn over fields. It's not just garbage. It's not just destruction. No, no, no. That's not what Nehemiah saw. He saw it from the eyes of a burden, not information. Well, you know what? Man, this is a sad, this is a sad picture here. This is what used to be. This is what used to make that tall wall. What a sad state. No, no, no. He did the opposite. Right here in front of us is all we need to rebuild the wall. Let's get at it. Let's revive the stones. Let's let's let God's presence and His Spirit renew something afresh. And people who used to be, people who have grown cold, people who have walked away, people who no longer serve God, listen, don't you ever give up on anybody. Hallelujah, because it's more than just information and it's more than just a wall. It's a burden that God gets a hold of you. Don't ever, don't ever allow the enemy, the flesh, or the world to determine what your burden is. 
This is what the New Living Translation says at verse 2. Saying in front of his friends and the Sumerian army officers, what does this bunch of poor, feeble Jews think they're doing? Do they think they can build the wall in a day if they offer enough sacrifice? Look at those, oh, those charred stones that are that are they're pulling out of the rubbish and using again. That's the mockery of the enemy and the response of the child of God is I've got more than information. I've got a burden. I've got a burden. I've got something deep in my spirit. Something deep in my spirit. And 52 days later, a four-mile wall, 50 feet high, was accomplished. And the Bible just simply says in Nehemiah chapter 6, Verse 14, my God, think thou upon Dubai and Sambaleth according to these, these their works and on the prophetess Noadiah and the rest of the prophets that they, they have put me in fear. Notice now. So the wall was finished. Simply states that in 52 days, 52 days, the wall was complete. Verse 16, in closing, says this. And it came to pass that when all our enemies heard thereof and all the heathen that were about us saw these things, they were much cast down in their own eyes. For they perceived that this work was wrought of our God. The enemy got to see that it was more than just information. It was more than just a wall. It was more than just, you know what, we're going to try to accomplish something. No, no, no. This was, this was led by a burden. This was led by a group of people that says, we're going to reach our city. We're going to reach every individual that's hungry for God. We're going to reach every person that desires to know. We're going to have a lighthouse, a church in every part of this community, every part where people live that have a desire to serve God, we're going to do our best. Hallelujah for me, for it to be more than just information. But yet a burden. I don't know about you, but you can get weary with all the COVID stuff. Anyone tired? Anyone tired of it? And that can become the focus. And everything we do can be focused around that instead of understanding that God is unstoppable. It's more than information this morning. It's more than just a wall. It's a burden. Lost people. Hungry hearts. Individuals that just desire a life change. I say, you know what? I'm going to let my life be determined by a burden. 
instead of information. Because it's more than just a wall to me. This is God's kingdom. These are God's people. They need a place of refuge, a place of safety, gates where they can get in to that safe place of refuge and find strength, encouragement, salvation, healing, can find blessing from God and a wonderful presence of God that brings peace and contentment and and removes fear and anxiety and stress lifts the burden and the weight off of people's shoulders and they feel a they feel an, an excitement and a joy that fills their life and, and peace runs their mind and oh something something's got a hold of them that's more than just information it's a burden ha oh god let your presence and your spirit fill this place this morning Everybody that's watching online or listening today, would you stand this morning? We cannot lose sight. We must never lose sight. That it's not just about me or it's not just about us. It's about your neighbor. It's about the person you work with. It's about the person that just arrived here from another country. It's about your family member. It's about your son, your daughter, your grandchildren. It's about your brothers and your sisters and your parents and your spouse. It's it's about the people connected to you. It's about the people who used to follow the Lord and no longer do right now, their their lives can be revived. They can be restored to the wall. Oh God, let it be more, more than just information to me. Thank you for joining us today. If you want more information, connect with us on our website at missionpoint.ca. God bless you.